Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Yeah, Hammer, I was glad to see that IMPD is getting a boost in police recruitments. There's raises involved. Beach Grove Police getting a 12% raise, making it, uh, uh, you know, one of the top paid in the state of Indiana. One of the top paid police forces in Indiana. It's all good news, I think, coming from the Indiana, uh, Indianapolis City County Council. It is. And look, there's no doubt in my mind, Boss Hogsett wants Indianapolis to be like Seattle and Portland. And Ryan Mears is the same way. But hat tip to... I guess somebody for doing their job, uh, they <laughs> decided to fund the police in Indianapolis and not defund, which, okay, because you got to keep in mind how the political breakdown is of Indianapolis and Marion County. It's an overwhelming supermajority of Democrats on your city county council. Your mayor, radical Democrat. Your prosecutor, radical Democrat. The folks that want to steal Joe Hogsett's job, whether that's Vop Osley or whether that's Ryan Mears, whether it's both of them, they want to probably take things even further than this guy does. But last night at the meeting, the city county council, they passed their budget and by a 21 to one vote and three counselors were absent for the vote, uh, the budget passed focusing on four main subjects, Nige, public safety, Infrastructure, education, and property said, tax relief. You said 21 to 1. Who was the weasel? So this was Ethan Evans. Ah, yes. The guy course. from Lawrence, the Lawrence radical, area. Radical. Super radical weasel. Like, again, everybody agreed that this was probably something the city needs to move forward. But there's always one turd in a punch bowl. And if that's your representative, if you live in his district around the Lawrence area, Remember this next time that his name comes up on a ballot. Uh, but ultimately, uh, what we're going to see here is that the budget includes record spending on public safety. 22% of the uh, budget is going to IMPD and the fight against crime. Veteran officers are going to get a 3% raise as well as a pension base as well. You mentioned some of those other police agencies around Central Indy, yeah. like Beach Grove. They're going to get a raise as well. So all in all, listen, I can pick at the city county council for a lot of things. I thought last night went pretty well. But, the, but the, the, here's the problem. you could, Your goal is to boost police recruitment. Starting salary for first-year officers at IMPD is increasing 16% to, to almost $62,000 a year, a signing bonus for new officers. But the key is acquiring and retaining talent, and that's still something they're having problems with here in the city is recruitment. I think it dates back all the way to the summer of love 2020 in the way that police officers were treated in this city by the administration. They understand that they have a radical leftist prosecutor and a revolving door of the criminal justice system they're dealing with the same violent criminals that are out uh, on gps monitors on a daily basis uh, you know breaking the same laws over and over and over again and it's it's tough okay yeah you, we'll come work for you but if you're not giving us all the tools we need including keeping these violent criminals in jail then what good is it i mean you can have all the money at it you want 
You can throw all the money at crime you want in this city, but if you keep letting these violent offenders, violent repeat offenders, out on out on a low cash bail, no cash bail, and they go out and repeat and, and perpetrate more violent crimes, then what good is it? Uh, some other things of note in regards to what the budget was last night. It allocated $2 million for a 24-hour clinic emergency response team that could respond to certain situations where a mental health crisis is taking place as opposed to a police officer coming off the streets. Mm. So we'll see how this goes. Two million bucks for this 24-hour clinic emergency response team. Listen, with all due respect to whoever is tasked with doing this, good luck when you get called to a scene at 3 o'clock in the morning where some lunatic is naked and he's fondling himself and he's covered in feces. Let's see how you handle that. Chances are you're probably still going to need a police officer for that. Um, A lot of work for roads bridges greenway uh if you thought there was construction now oh kids put your big boy pants on because more is coming never ending never ending uh this is part of a 1.1 billion dollar investment over the next five years and uh, there's also a little bit very little bit of a tax credit for homeowners and some things like that so all in all Pretty solid rollout last night. I don't have too many things to complain about with this budget presentation when a lot of cities are saying, defund the police, rabble, rabble. Even liberal-ass Joe Hogsett says, yeah, we probably need to be funding the police. I, I might not like them. I might not appreciate their work, but we're going to fund the police at the very minimum. And how does that taste? Every single lunatic protester in 2020 a gathering night after night to wreak havoc and spew their hatred out on Monument Circle at police officers, violence towards police officers, uh, marching towards the governor's mansion, spewing hate and, and violent rhetoric towards the police, BLM, Antifa, all all demanding that they defund the police. Right. How does this taste? <laughs> How does all that work that you put into being a hateful little scumbag taste more money for the police more uh opportunities for you to be arrested and and thrown into jail uh mondo we got a couple local stories that require legal stuff stuff. crime punishment judges legal stuff so let's start with the uh fedex massacre that took place in 2021 a lawsuit against FedEx and a security company that was filed by five of the relatives of the victims has been dismissed by a federal judge. Uh, The family members accused FedEx and security specialists of negligence and failure to ensure that the workplace was safe. The complaint was filed earlier this year by, again, five members of the family. Now, what this federal judge did was not necessarily dismiss it completely, but kind of kick it back down the road a little bit. So the judge explains that this lawsuit falls under the Indiana Workers' Compensation Act and that a federal court has no jurisdiction over that case. So the claims made by the families were dismissed without prejudice, which will allow the plaintiffs to refile to the appropriate places later on. You're allowed to sue 
Ryan Mears in the prosecutor's office for negligence and incompetence for not following through the red flag laws? So your lawsuit has to be with somebody in the state of Indiana, according to the federal judge. Um, the update on the guy that shot and killed somebody during night number two of the riots downtown, Tyler Newby. He's been found guilty of murdering a man. Now, the prosecutors were seeking this convention, uh, conviction because he shot and killed 18-year-old Dorian Morell. Now, here's what happened. Tyler Newby decided he thought it'd be a good idea to come downtown when the riots were happening. Saw it on the news, come downtown, which is never a good idea. At one point, according to the police report, he picked up a tear gas canister and it was in his hand. Well, there was a group that saw him do this and they started to go over toward Tyler Newby. They push him down or something? Yeah. So they pushed him down. There was one dude that was straddling over him and Tyler Newby on the ground reached for his weapon and shot and killed the guy. So the group that was with the victim was also involved in the killing of Chris Beatty, yeah. which happened uh, earlier during the riots. So again, it's a lot of weird six degrees of separation going on here, but long story short, Tyler Newby guilty. He was on the ground. He felt fearful for his life, even though the person over him did not have he a weapon. The, he got convicted of reckless homicide. So sentencing will be in November and you got to remember, this trial ended at a mistrial last year. Right. This is the second time we've gone through this with this dude. Yeah. So, again, think about the horrific things that took place during two nights of rioting here. Chris Beatty was murdered in cold blood trying to help somebody. You have Tyler Newby laying on the ground, reaching up, shooting and killing somebody, shooting them through the heart. And where was our mayor? I think it's a fair question to ask, where was Joe Hogsett? Well, he tweeted at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Did he? Give or was that break. his little weasel of an assistant, that cook kid that put the tweet out at 2 o'clock in the uh, morning? No, nah, that I don't know. Because nobody else in the city outside of my dad wants to ask Joe Hogsett <laughs> right to his face, where were you those two nights of the riots? Were you drunk? Were you in rehab? Did you pee the bed? There's all types of rumors going along. You would think with all the political shows in this city, every TV station's got their one Politico guy. None of them have enough hair in their peaches to ask the acting mayor of this city, where were you when the city was being looted out and burned? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Got a couple different stories here about, you know, how drugs can just mess you up. One out of Florida, one in South Carolina. Hell, even I, a couple of weeks ago, remember when I had that grapefruit-sized uh, goiter jutting out of my neck hammer yes and uh it, it was this i don't know salivary gland or some sort of lymph nodes that hurt bad i mean it's just immense pain your front just... of your neck looked like the back of fetterman's sorry sorry i didn't see that one coming but so like the doctor prescribed me some steroids and some just stuff to get the swelling down. It was so painful, just swelling and fever in the top of my head with this thing. And he prescribed some hydrocodone to take the, the pain away. And after two days of taking that, three or four a day, not not much. But, I mean, after after like the 
I felt sick afterwards, not because of anything that had to do with my my neck. The swelling had gone down. It made me feel I, I felt better that way, but because I went off that hydrocodone. And man, I could understand it completely. If you're taking like if you're you know Brett Favre and taking forty of those things a day, I don't understand how people function. Kyle, and, you're the uh, wrestling aficionado here, like. Kurt Angle, former WWF, WWE like legend, he got hooked on that stuff. How many was he taking a day? Uh, way too many that he probably should have been, but I'm glad he finally kicked that habit. Wasn't it like 30? Yeah. Like 30 of those things a day, Nige. So you were taking like three, and it kind of yeah. made you feel a little sick. Imagine 30. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I couldn't. So it doesn't surprise me one bit with these stories that we have in front of us, how the drugs make people do crazy stuff and that's an understatement and with some people it's it's not the drugs or the high that they're after it's the they're chasing after the ability not to feel sick because you feel sick once you come down off some of these opioids so there was this guy in south carolina that got arrested this past week after he stole some of his ex-girlfriend's mom's ashes and his plan was to sell them somehow to get drug money. <laughs> Is there a black market for a dead person's ashes? Why, no, there's not, <laughs> Nige, which just goes to show you how whacked out of his mind this dude was. Um, yeah, there's no place where you could sell ashes just without the urn, just a big bag say, full of ashes. Maybe, you could, maybe there's somewhere where you could get rid of the urn for five bucks. Right. You know, trade that in at a pawn shop or something. But no, he wanted to sell the ashes in exchange for some drugs. Uh, he was arrested. Now he's facing charges of burglary as well as destruction, desecration, and the removal of human remains. So he Ew. broke into his ex-girlfriend's house, got the ashes of her dead mom that were like on the fireplace mantle somewhere and thought i'm gonna find a place where i can sell these for drug money what was his name walter Sobchek? oh <laughs> was, it, was it in a folgers can oh, i don't believe it was <laughs> damn it walter <laughs> um so on the heels of that this next story <laughs> involves drugs as well as a little bit of nudity so i think it falls into this category Here's another lewd, nude, dude in the nude. My wife made me pour all that stuff out, by the way. I had a bunch left over, a bunch of the whatever Vicodin or hydrocodone. Oh, I thought you met her mom's ashes. <laughs> <laughs> this story's not about me. Sorry, sorry, I didn't. Yeah, I went home, oh. she's like, yeah, you're pouring the rest of those out. Uh, Dateline, Florida. A naked man wearing a cowboy hat attacked a woman with a machete because she did not have a crack pipe. A lot going on here. A lot going on. Bingo! Uh, Miami-Dade police arrested 45-year-old Roberto Hercules, <laughs> which is a great Names. name. Um, like, if my name were Roberto Hercules, I think I would walk around naked with a cowboy hat on, too. Uh, but he was a homeless dude, and he bum-rushed this woman riding a bike and asked where her crack pipe was. She said she didn't have one. So she jumps off the bike, starts running. He's chasing her with a machete. Oh, he hits her a few times. Ooh. Now, she had to go to the hospital. She's going to be okay. But now this guy faces charges of attempted murder, attempted armed robbery, and aggravated battery with a weapon. And yes, when they found him, he was in a homeless tent he was naked, and they found two cowboy hats. Hmm. 
So this brings us to great moments in crack history. Whatever happened to the crack pipe? Did we ever find out she had it? She never had one. She never had one. She never had one. Okay, good. Um, And that's what drove him over the edge. That's when he started getting the machete out. Great moments in crack history. Now, this is the non-Hunter Biden division, okay? Um, This was the story we had not that long ago about a Colorado woman who did the uh, online grocery delivery, and she found a little something extra in her bag. I had a Walmart order uh, delivered to my house. This is a crack pipe in the bag. Oh. And so he looked and he's like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's a crack that's, pipe. Can I, can I have that back, please? I'm going to need that back. Uh, of course, when you're talking about great moments in crack history, who could forget the sage advice from one crazy Joe Clark? <laughs> you smoke crack, don't you? You smoke crack, don't you? Look at me, boy. Don't you smoke crack. Lovely on me. Sam's f- f- fat little doofus. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana. Uh, if you hate cops just because they're cops, then the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. <laughs> now, that iconic piece of advice, if you remember, spawned a couple different Hammer and Nigel record singles. Everybody says, save a We had something for our country music fans, and if you're into pop music, we had you covered as well. Call a crackhead. (laughs) It's the Hammer and Nigel show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. One of the more eye-roll-worthy things I saw over the weekend went viral all over social media. It was President Biden at Baskin-Robbins in Portland, Oregon, eating a big waffle cone full of, I don't know, it looked like cookies and cream. I'm not sure. And then some reporter asked him, hey, man, what do you think about the economy? And with a mouthful of ice cream, Biden goes, ah, strong as hell. (laughs) Strong as hell. Nobody Fs with Biden. Um, Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on uh, Nathan Brand, RNC Deputy Comms Director. Uh, Your thoughts of uh, President Biden boasting about the economy, uh, (laughs) using the word strong as hell as he was stuffing his face full of ice cream. It's it's too fitting. Uh, the best part about it, and I think your listeners know this um, all too well, is that cost of ice cream is almost up a dollar yeah. since last year because of his policy. <laughs> um, it's just it, it's perfectly encapsulates this Biden administration out to lunch, out to ice cream, really, um, and out of touch with the struggle facing Americans. And if you notice, like, I think the public is starting to catch on a little bit with how this administration is covered nationally, because we posted on our social media the White House reporter from The Washington Post just showing the picture of Joe Biden eating ice cream, breaking it down. Nothing about what he said, nothing about the policies, nothing about a tough question. That was the story, that the president was eating ice cream, and that White House reporter from the Washington Post got lit up on social media. It feels like, Nathan, and maybe I'm just saying this because I see this every day, but this nation is really catching on to the media that carries the water for this failing administration. 
Oh, for sure. And like even CNN yesterday ran a story about how Biden has spent about a fourth of his administration on vacation. It's like, where is CNN? Have you guys been? Everyone knows this guy's been out um, out on the beach most of the time. Like this, they have to catch up at some point, because if you talk to a voter, which is the nice thing about election season, is a lot of these um, media outlets here in Washington, D.C. and New York, they climb down from their ivory towers and they go spend a couple days out on the campaign trail talking to real voters. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, shoot, we've got a lot of issues on hand that we haven't actually been doing a good job covering, including Joe Biden. Um, and whether it's inflation, whether it's the economy, whether it's crime, regardless of the issue, a lot of these national news outlets are waking up and like, actually, when you talk to real voters, people are really concerned about what's going on in our country. No kidding. We've known this for a long time. You guys know it. Your listeners see it every day. They see it at the gas pump. They see it in the streets. It's a real problem, and our media doesn't get it, and they're finally waking up to it because they've got no, they got to catch up with it. Otherwise, they're going to look pretty stupid on Election Day when Republicans win big, and they've been on the wrong side of this equation for so long. Here's something, they, here's something else everybody needs to be you know, woken up to. Um, have you heard the new talking points? It seems like all the Democrats over the weekend got the talking points. Bernie Sanders got the talking points. Joe Biden got the talking points at the ice cream shop when I asked him about inflation. He's like, yeah, well, look. Yeah, there's inflation, but hey, inflation is worldwide. It's worse off everywhere else than it is in the United States. I felt like I heard that 20 times over the weekend, and that's not true, by the way. There's major countries around the world, including Germany and France, um, that are far better off than the United States. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, there's uh, their prices are up or stuff around the world. Yeah, sure, there's a healthy level of inflation that goes on every year. Nobody's seen at the levels we are except for some of these um, socialist countries in South America. Like, that's we're on a different level of, compared to where the rest of the world is. But here's the thing, though. is like, yes, Bernie Sanders and the Democrat talking points have gone out to say this. But what they don't realize is voters aren't buying what they're selling. Um, and a couple of polls over the weekend were very eye-opening on this issue. One was from CBS on Sunday. They said uh, 71% of voters hold Biden um, a lot or, or somewhat responsible for what's going on in this economy. They're not talking about Putin. They're not talking about the global inflation. They blame Biden for the problems we're dealing with right now. Um, that's why in the Fox News poll from last week, only 29% of voters approve Biden's handling of inflation. If this was some big global issue, you'd think that um, they'd be blaming somebody else. No, they're disappointed with Joe Biden. They disapprove of his handling of the issue. They lay the blame where it rightfully belongs at Joe Biden's feet and the reckless spending that got us into this mess. Nathan Brand is our guest. He is the RNC Deputy Communications Director. So, Nathan, I'm looking at some numbers here. Health insurance up 28 percent. Rent up 7 percent. Electricity up 15 percent. Gas up 18 percent. And that's not even touching on the things in the grocery store. I mean, these are the real issues that people care about. It's not January. 6th. It's not abortion. It's got to be all about the economy, right? It is. It is. And that's one thing that's actually been fun to watch. Um, going back to my earlier point about like national media kind of waking up to this is they've started to go like, oh, shoot, Democrats may have miscalculated this. They, there's a lot of issues that voters care about that aren't just abortion. One thing that also came up with some of the polls I mentioned um, in the CBS poll, the issue of abortion came in at seventh. Um, in that Fox poll, it came in at sixth um, as far as priorities for voters. This is not the top issue. Ta time and time again, the top issues for voters is one, inflation, two, economy, 
And then three in oftentimes is crime. And often places that take the form of homelessness and a lot of other um, variations of that or drugs on the streets. It's a real concern for a lot of voters. But no, you, you ticked off a lot of those areas where prices are rising, and it's very clear why that's a top concern for voters, because you step in the grocery store, you step into um, a restaurant or, or the gas station, you feel it. And um, just year over year, um, food at home is up 13%. Yeah. Cereal and bakery products, those are up 16%. Um, you try and go get a muffin at the grocery store right now, you're, it's 16% higher than it was last year. Dairy products, 15%. Um, non-alcoholic beverages up 12%, fruits and veggies. Um, I don't know if you guys are eating those, but some people are. <laughs> those are up 10%. Um, and then uh, meat, poultry, fish, and eggs, those are up 9%. So whatever way you want to cut this up, everything's up. Everyone's paying more, and um, it's expensive to live in America. The, the Democrats still doubled down on January 6th when, <laughs> when they just issued a subpoena for Donald Trump to come testify, which I don't know if he could be compelled to or not. I'd love to see him testify in front of the committee. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see that back and forth between him and Cheney and Kinzinger. Um, but I, just to give you an example, I have a, a friend of mine that's running for a local office, and he has been really working hard here in Central Indy, going door to door, knocking, 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 knocking. I go, hey, just out of curiosity, <laughs> how many people, like, you know, these people that are answering the doors and you're talking to them about the issues that they care about, is anybody uh, mentioned January 6th and Donald Trump, and he laughed at me. It's like a guttural <laughs> laugh. He's like, nobody, Democrat or Republican, that I've encountered, he's a Republican, but he encounters many different people when he get knocked on a door. Not, uh, and and it, he doesn't, it, it's not even come anywhere close to that, and yet yeah. they're still using January 6th as a distraction here uh, almost to say, hey, we don't want the big bad orange man in power anymore. They, they, they constantly talk about trump he hasn't been president for two years yeah oh it's nuts it's nuts and the only people who are talking about it are the folks sitting um in the msnbc and cnn studios yes. they, it, it makes no sense um i i, I truly have it, we got calls earlier this year when these committee hearings were starting they're like what does this mean for the midterms this is going to be a huge issue for so many voters it's going to be in prime time what is What's going to be the what's going to what's the ramifications to all of this? And every time people will call, like we will call these reporters from all these national networks, and we'd be like, "Guys, have you talked to a single voter in the last week?" And they said, "No." Well, we've talked to all these Democrat operatives who said this is a big issue. I was like, "Well, there's your problem. Nobody <laughs> cares." So your your friend running for office is smart to keep this focus on the um, the issues that voters actually care about, which again is the economy, it's crime, it's the issues that affect their pocketbooks. That's where. The real struggle is, and that's how people vote. That's based on their pocketbooks. I love the thought by moving it to prime time, people would watch it. It's like, well, CNN has a prime time lineup too, and nobody watches that either. So good luck with that. I will say, if if Trump somehow got in front of that committee and testified, it'd be the best ratings they've had yet. That might be appointment yeah. viewing. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with everybody. Uh, Nathan, real quick here before we let you go, uh, what are you guys hearing out of Michigan? Because for so long, it looked like Gretchen Whitmer, the old Gretch that stole Christmas, Big was going to run away with this thing. But, man, the last couple of weeks, those polls, they've really been tightening up. Oh, they really have. The big one, actually, um, I don't know if you and your listeners have seen this yet. Um, Emerson's out with a poll um, in the last 24 hours showing um, Tudor Dixon, the Republican, within five points of Gretchen Whitmer. The race is tightening there. And the reason for this, and I think this is one issue we haven't touched on yet, it gets often overlooked, especially in these governor's races. 
is parental rights is front and center. They don't want some bureaucrat trying to tell their kids about um, about sex in the third grade. They want to have parents be able to make those decisions. That issue, um, what kids are being taught in schools, what role parents have in their child's education is at the front and center in race, races like the Michigan governor's race. And that is why Tudor Dixon's surging at the right time, why that race is going to be incredibly close, and hopefully um, Indiana's neighbor can get a Republican governor. Nathan Brand, RNC Deputy Communications Director. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us here in Indy. Hey, thank you, Hammer. Thank you, Nigel. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We're coming back. And we're back. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Well, the cost of heating a home going to jump a significantly percentage-wise. More on that after 4 o'clock here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, right now, this chick walking around a beach in Australia found what may be a humpback whale penis. I'm sorry, she found what? She stumbled upon it. She started recording, then she uh, started talking about uh, saying how, yeah, this is uh, definitely a whale's crank. Here's a new one. What is that? It is massive, like the size of my leg. Disgusting. So, with the help of TikTok and marine biologists, I think we have finally figured out what that weird animal thing is. It's a whale. <laughs> Apparently, the males fight and they bite each other's things off. Oh. And then they just wash up on beaches all around the world. Do they grow back? I don't know. They must Somebody call George Costanza. We need a marine <laughs> biologist stat. I watched this lady's TikTok. It's a, just a weird, gross, gray, long, fleshy thing. Ooh. <laughs> and they bite it off of each other. Yeah. Uh, it must grow back. Right. I don't know. I, mean, I have no idea. Like, you could tell me yes or no, and I literally have no idea if whale cranks grow back. <laughs> um, now, again, let me remind everybody, Mike Pence used to sit in this chair yes, that's right behind once me. Once a very respectable program. It's now time for Great Moments in Whale Crank History, <laughs> exclusively here on the Hammer and Nigel Show, The Scene and Weird Science. You got everybody synced to the same bullshit story. This isn't bullshit. This is a Pershing missile chip. It's Chet. My name. My name is Chet. And I didn't think it was a whale's dick, honey. <laughs> Great moments in whale crank history. Yeah. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. But did it really snow last night? Did I hear them say that at the top of the hour? Yeah. Like, a little bit after midnight, um, it got so cold, there was some snow yeah. falling. Very little stuck to the ground. Then it blew away shortly yeah. afterwards. There's a few. I, I feel like my car had, like, frozen flakes on it, but it was nothing that I, I didn't have to get out the wiper or anything. Right. Up north, yeah. like, if you live, like, Fort Wayne, all the way up to, like, Lake Michigan, you got some pretty good snow that whole lake effect snow came down. Minneapolis got a lot of snow. Fort Wayne did. I'm not ready for this crap. Well, all I know is I'm keeping the thermostat right about 66, 67 right now. And it's driving my wife nuts. Does she like it a little bit warmer? Oh, no, yeah. That? I mean, it's going to, I mean, we, I really generally never make it past 69 on the thermostat in Giggity. terms of heat. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but it's, I mean, it's expensive, man. Right, it's, it's it's very. We've noticed an increase um, 
just by virtue of inflation, uh, our energy prices. The uh, coupon lady and I were talking about this last night. Like the winter months, I think we do pretty well because we like to have the house a little cool because we sleep better that way. Like in the summertime, I crank that AC up yeah. to the point to where it, there's an igloo in the house. But in the wintertime, I can throw on a hoodie, tell the kids, throw some socks on. I'm with you. We'll keep that thing around 66. Do you guys have, uh, have you ever used what's called a weighted blanket? Oh, you yeah. own one of those? Yeah. I got one for Christmas. It's like 20 pounds. It is so comfortable. I mean, it is like, I mean, you could definitely tell it has some girth to it, some real weight. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm in bed at night watching Seinfeld, and I'm just like, oh, it's so cozy. Yeah. And if now, I do wake up in the middle of the night sweating my butt off, though. See, I don't like that, though. <laughs> like, I like to be yeah, cool to, at night, man. I know, I, I know, but it starts off great. But when I fall asleep, I wake up in the middle of the night. And no matter how cold it is in the house, this thing is really, really warm. So I, I don't know. I think the cost of heating everybody's home is going to go up this winter, for sure. Well, the Federal Emergency Agency report agrees with that. The cost of heating a home with oil will jump by 27% this winter, according to their calculations. And propane and natural gas users will also go up just a little bit. Those using propane will see a 5% spike compared to last winter. And natural gas users will see a 28% rise, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. I'm sure I'm natural gas. I mean, wow. everything just costs more. Like, I'm not just saying this, because you know which way I lean politically. What would you say is going well with our economy right now? Like, and don't give me this, well, Donald Trump this, Donald Trump that. The orange man hasn't been involved in crap for two years. So explain to me why we're seeing 28% increases year over year under all Democratic leadership right now. And this is why... They're going to lose the House. This is why there's a very good chance the Senate could flip. I mean, it's really close. This is a mess. This sucks. We just talked to Nathan Brand, uh, the RNC guy, about 30 minutes ago. All those costs going up, and now if you get some cold weather coming through, guess what? You're going to have to pay 28% more than you did a year ago. Yeah, Trump was awful, wasn't he? You know, record employment for people of all races oh he was so mean market surging border secure low crime cheap gas uh peace in the world the only president in our lifetimes not to start a war uh but uh but no yeah things are so much better during biden the tweets have been amazing the biden tweets so peaceful not even mostly peaceful just all peaceful on the twitter account from joe biden uh again you guys have the opportunity to change a lot of this stuff coming up on Election Day. Um, but relax, everybody, if you're concerned about your finances. You know, cost of your heat's going to be going up right at Christmas time where money gets the tightest. Relax. Joe Biden says you can get tax credits from the Inflation Reduction Act to help middle class families afford to buy more energy efficient coffee machines. Same way with what's in the Inflation Reduction Act has to do with your ability to be able to get tax credits for buying. If you need a new coffee machine, a new washer, a new refrigerator, you buy an efficient refrigerator, efficient coffee machine, you get a tax credit for it. Costs you less money. It's estimated average 
family will save $500 a year as well on just that. There are also tax credits for weatherizing your home, putting in new windows to keep the if or a door that doesn't you know leak air and bring in the cold, etc. Make make you feel better with coffee makers. Uh, that that'll fix everything. Yeah. What's he talking about? So spend more money to get energy efficient doors and things put in, and then maybe just maybe you'll get a tax credit. That's that's your plan. Okay. That's the plan. <laughs> How about opening up the pipeline? How about opening up the drills and the federal lands and the offshore drilling? How about drill, baby, drill? What I mean, is that in the plan anywhere? Because right no. now Biden, no, Biden just announced he's going to sell more or uh, more oil from the the strategic petroleum reserves, like fourteen million barrels extra from this thing. Um, did anybody catch <sighs> Kanye West, or he goes by Yay now, uh, on with Chris Cuomo last night? I saw the Tucker one when I was in Florida. No, I didn't see uh, Chris Cuomo. So now, it doesn't sound like such an exclusive anymore. Now, Fredo Tucker. and Yay were on together last night, and this thing was a dumpster fire. This was a mess. Um, let's start with the issue of the artist formerly known as Kanye West's name. Uh, you guys are supposed to be made aware to use my legal name, Yay. I've changed my name, like how Cassius Clay changed his name to Muhammad Ali. Um, I'm sure you guys didn't mean it as any disrespect, but at least on the Chiron, changed my name to Yay. You can say formerly known as Kanye West if you'd like to, but my name is Yay. Why'd you uh, change it? Uh, sir, uh, I need to have the name changed. We'll change it. Uh, I'm asking you, why'd you change it? Just so people can understand. Well, actually, I don't owe people an explanation to start <laughs> off with. I have the right to change my okay. name. I have the right in America to vote on whoever I want to vote on. I do, The name West is a slave name. And I wanted to free myself of all of the older mentality. That is, that is the reason I'm telling you that. Understood. Uh, Chris Cuomo was like, understood. He understood nothing. I don't think anybody understands what the hell Kanye West is talking about. Uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye. Yay, then goes on a rant about the Jewish media. Uh, yeah. We're not going to be owned by the Jewish media anymore. If you think about every celebrity, Kanye, if you look at their contract, and I'm going to finish what I'm saying. I know, but you, you, look have, at you every, have to understand this wait, idea bro, of the Jewish bro, media. Hey, hey, that's that. not don't how it that. works. Don't You're talking that. to me la, right la, now. La, 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 la. So every celebrity, <laughs> go ahead. Every celebrity has Jewish people in their contract. This is not hate speech. This is the truth. <sighs> These anti-Semitic sort of rants that kind of this is not the first time or the first comments he's made in the past couple of days involving anti-Jewish sentiments. Right. It's it's really just kind of took away from everything that he said during Tucker's interview, and I'm, I'm actually kind of over it. Well, it sounded like Fredo was over it, too. <laughs> Look, there is no Jewish media cabal, mafia, uh, that is a figment of either your imagination or a projection of a prejudice, okay? You may have had bad business dealings with people. It's about those people. It's not about their religion or faith. And I know that you are intelligent and understand that when you target people because of their faith, other people may do so the same. They've been targeted before. They've been abused and killed because of what they believe and who they are. So we you don't want to tolerate targeted? that. 
and you, you are know, playing and, into and that I right will, now, whether you know that I or not. I tolerate it as a black person. What you just said was a statement. You're trying to say that there isn't a collective, over 50% of the executives in Hollywood, the CEOs, are Jewish. And these guys That's know That's different than saying it's a mafia and that they act as Jews in some way, as opposed to just being businessmen. One plays to a prejudice. The other one just plays to people and an ugly business, which is what uh, the record business in is. So, okay, so you can have your feelings about it. I, just don't ascribe it to their faith. Earlier, no, wait a second. You can't tell me what to do or feel, oh, first of all. I know, but I can you tell can you what is wrong about what you say. So that meeting of the minds took place last <laughs> night on News Nation. Well, look, I will say it was interesting. I, the the thing with, with Tucker and Kanye was interesting. I'm sorry, yay. I don't get yelled at by yay. Uh, that, that I thought that was compelling. I also thought the adversarial aspect here was kind of compelling. I will say that. So he's no longer Kanye. He's just yay. yay. So moving forward, I think Matt Bear should just go by air. <laughs> air <laughs> is in the WIBC traffic center. I like bay, too, but that's been taken. Look, look I'm not the- calling you my bay. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Nigel presents is it depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Oh, yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I've got some stories, and I don't have any idea what to do with these things. This is where you come in. All right. I'll tell you the story, and you tell me, you tell all of Indianapolis if the story is really anything or not. Dateline, Maryland. A pregnant Maryland firefighter involved in a multi-car collision is being praised after helping the passenger of an overturned car as she was going into labor. Here is Megan Warfield and her chief officer talking about this awesome story. I arrived at location and I saw Megan on the ground. My first thoughts as her chief officer was, you're on a maternity leave, you should not be here. (laughs) Once everything kind of just calmed down, uh, I looked at my mom, made sure she was okay. I got to get out and see what's going on. I uh, realized that there was someone trapped inside, so I went over and I started to like crawl in, and then I realized, like, good lord, you're nine months pregnant. Like, what are you <laughs> doing? Won't let what you are you doing? There. Yeah. So when the, I guess the adrenaline kind of started to chill out, I started to get some abdominal cramping, and uh, my boyfriend said, "You know, I think we should definitely get." That's unbelievable. That's yeah. That's something. That is the mentality of a firefighter, a first responder, a law enforcement officer. You run towards danger, even though you're nine months pregnant, on the way to the hospital. You see an accident. I think she was in the accident as well. Once she made everybody, uh, made sure everybody else in her car was okay. This woman, again, a firefighter, nine months pregnant, helped save somebody from an overturned car. These guys are just. I mean. It's, you can never say it enough. They're heroes, and they run towards danger. I, I, I don't think I would have the, the the courage to do what she did. So fast you know? forward about 14, 15 years into the future, her son or daughter is going to be like, I don't want to get up and go to school today. <laughs> and then Megan's going to look at him. Yeah, well, you know what? Once when I was in labor and had a car accident, I helped other people. If I can do that, I think you can go to school today. Like, that's going to be her go-to for every single time her child gets a lippy with her for the rest of their life. Toughest firefighter ever right there. Kudos to uh, Megan Warfield in Maryland. That's amazing. Any relation to Marsha Warfield, I don't know. I who don't was on so. Night Court? <laughs> Love Night Court. Um, on the subject of heroes saying, saving lives, 
an American couple honeymooning in Spain came across a burning nursery and jumped into action, saving about 15 to 20 babies from the fire. Whoa! Here are the newlyweds talking about the action. I saw a flame coming out of the doorway next to the door that these women had come out of. So I said, oh my God, there's a fire. I found myself like looking at a 15, 20 babies sleeping. Immediately just kind of lined everybody up and we started grabbing them, putting them into the crib. We were just literally taking cribs with a few kids in it and rolling it across the street to the high school lobby. It turned out to be okay, you they know. Sh- they shouldn't have saved the babies. They should have ate the babies. Oh. We got to eat the babies! We've got to eat the babies! It's not enough! We got to eat the babies to save the environment! The Wasn't climate! that at an AOC event? <laughs> yeah. Talking about climate change? Some troll and- said, we've got to eat the babies! Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the first thing that popped into my mouth, uh, top, popped into my head when I when I heard that. Um, but yeah, no, that's something. An American, a yeah, true American hero in Spain. The Americans come to the rescue again in a foreign land, uh, saving multiple babies from the fire. We got to eat the babies. <laughs> the first thing I thought of was like in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, where he saw the pet store was on fire, <laughs> yeah. and he's running yeah. out with goldfish, and he's got all types snakes. of snakes in his hand and things like that. So Which- I love the way our minds work. Eat the babies, Pee Wee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, lastly, one more hero-saving lives story. Wow. Mondo, can I get some mood music? Go, go, Power Rangers! Is this the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme, Kyle? It sure is. Did you watch that when you were a kid? It's I never... Morphin Time! This was a little before, like, well, I guess after I, I was my older. time. Yeah, 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 I was older when this thing was popular. Uh, but apparently employees dressed dressed up for Halloween like Power Rangers at some California restaurant helped fight off an attacker who was choking a woman. Here is a customer of the restaurant talking about what she witnessed while they were there. When something surprising breaks out, you're not sure if it's real. All of the servers slash Power Rangers were moving towards the scene to help one another out. The patrons also started getting involved in a way that was supportive and making sure that (laughs) everyone was safe. Why were they dressed up as, why was the staff dressed up as Power Rangers? Maybe it was a Halloween thing. I don't know. I'm looking at the article here. It's just a California thing. Maybe it's just what they do on Mondays. They they say, okay, here is an ode. No, that's funny you say that. It's, I guess it's a tribute to the restaurant's signature cocktails served in ranger-shaped vessels, and they only wear them on Fridays. Fridays. Okay. Seems like a fun place. No, I never got into Power Rangers. I really don't care. What were the shows young Nige watched like as a kid? Like Mondo was over here oh, watching Power Rangers. Oh man. Like um Saved by the Bell. Uh God. Uh, just just everything. You know, Saturday morning cartoons in the eighties. Right. Man. And I feel like Power Rangers didn't come along until I was more of a teenager. Um, but but Dukes of Hazard, Knight Rider, right? And then again, we, I wake up early on Saturdays all the time, and all the all the Saturday morning cartoons. And in the evening, I was the big sitcom viewer. Like I watched yeah. Different Strokes mm-hmm. and Silver Spoons and like yeah. all that kind of crap. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on ninety three WIBC. 
I'm not going to lie. I could go down a rabbit hole in some hollow notes. If I'm going Yacht Rock, I think I'm going hollow notes. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Mondo's here. Matt Bear is here. Big Nige is here. Hello. And since all of your favorite radio pals are together, why don't we, as a collective group, check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden? Yeah. I got hairy legs. I lost my Johnson. <laughs> on track to cut first lady in half (laughs) okay so speaking of the first lady the new york times reported that following joe biden's last solo press conference in january now keep in mind that's the last time he's had a solo press conference january where he did not follow Jen Psaki's advice to wrap it up and he said he wanted to go longer according to the new york times the good doctor, Dr. Jill, just tore into White House officials demanding to know why nobody intervened and stopped Joe Biden. Here is what Senator Marsha Blackburn, the Republican out of Tennessee, told Fox News, quote, it's apparent that the president is not in control of the West Wing. Hmm. The American people are watching the situation with the president very closely. So are other world leaders. It's apparent he's not in control of the White House, his staff and the issues of the day. So, again, Nige, the story is the good doctor, Dr. Jill, ticked off that Joe Biden was allowed to just keep rambling and ultimately embarrass himself even further. He does it every time he talks. I'm surprised they let him in front of a camera at all. But this right. is something you and I have been talking about for the past year. Who's really in charge behind the scenes of the White House? Is it his chief of staff, Ron Klain? Is it the crazy Benghazi lady, Susan Rice? Uh, is it Jill Biden, for that matter? Maybe it's Jill Biden that's in charge. Um, it certainly is not him. Yeah, this is pretty telling because this is the first time we've heard that the good doctor was upset that Joe was allowed to ramble because Joe, it feels like he wants to get up there and act like the president and talk like the president. But everybody knows he's not up to the job. He lost his fastball a long time ago. But this is the first time we've heard Jill Biden say, why are you letting him do that? To which, if I'm the White House staff, I ask that exact same question right back to the good doctor. Why are you letting your husband do this? Let him resign. Make Kamala the president. Oh, Everybody no. move up a notch in the food chain. No. Vice President Pelosi. Oh, <laughs> How does that you, taste? What are you doing over there? <laughs> um Elise Stefanik, she is the House Republican Conference Chairwoman of Republican from New York. Quote, President of the United States should not need a babysitter when he talks to the media. Apparently, (laughs) Joe Biden does. Uh, This is Jeff Van Drew, the Republican uh, from New Jersey. Quote, the American people put Joe Biden in office and deserve to hear directly from the president himself. Our country does not operate under surrogates in chief. Well, Mr. Uh, Van Drew, I got news for you. That's been happening this whole time. We've all known he's not calling the shots here. This is a mess. And and, and people are are contradicting him left and right. Every time he's come out and said something, whether it's about Russia uh, replacing the regime there or, you know, Taiwan or uh, the pandemic is over, everything Joe Biden has said, the White House has immediately walked back. 
Look what happened yesterday. Remember the clip we played yesterday of Obama on some podcast talking about how Democrats uh, and woke culture are the reason they're losing right now and the Democrats are walking you, you know people are walking on eggshells. Called him a buzzkill. Yes, a buzzkill. Isn't that go against the very thing that Joe Biden was preaching about in his speech from hell a couple of weeks ago? Extremist MAGA Republicans are a domestic threat to security to this nation. And there, then you have Obama, quite possibly the most popular Democratic president ever in the history of this country since JFK, saying, yeah, actually, everybody needs to chill out, which is the complete opposite of what Joe Biden has been saying and preaching. Um, a story you mentioned a little bit earlier, Nige, from Reuters, Joe Biden and his administration They're about to auction more oil from the emergency stockpile to lower gas prices ahead of the midterms. Of course it is. Uh, This is going to be announced very soon, according to Reuters, that the sale of 14 million crude oil barrels from the Strategic Reserve will go into place this week, lower gas prices right before the midterm elections in an effort to get some of these close races a little bit over the top. And what's going to happen after the midterms? What do you think happens after we uh, deplete those reserves? Well, they don't care about that, just like they (laughs) didn't care about what happened after the election. They knew they elected the stiff, the dead body, the corpse from Weekend at Bernie's, but they didn't care. They'll just prop him up there at the podium and have a shadow government. And that's what's happening right now, according to the New York Post. I'm sorry, New York Times. It's hilarious that we could be doing everything in our power here in the United States. Under Trump, we were the net exporter. We were energy independent. Uh, Keystone Pipeline. Now, I, I realize the pipeline was was more about um, um, exporting oil than it was providing oil for our own uh, land, but it still just made us more energy independent in terms of how much it was worth. And the day one, executive order 13990, uh, canceled the pipelines, canceled federal oil uh, leases and drilling. Thousands of jobs lost. And then you go hat in hand, to those thugs at OPEC begging them to turn on the spigot. He, remember, he bumped, he gave a fist bump to uh, the crown prince there. Right. <laughs> like we theorized, he, he thought he was there. Biden thought he was there to get his, his luggage. Didn't know who the <laughs> hell the guy was. And then out of all of a sudden, uh, please, yeah, you, please, you got to put out more oil. OPEC gave us the big middle finger last week and said, eh, not so fast. It's embarrassing. But I was told nobody Fs with a Biden. Was that wrong? Was that uh, yes, incorrect? Yes, that was wrong. Yes. Okay, all right. Uh, Mondo, I don't like this next story. I hate this next story, but I believe we have to do this next story. Let's check in with America's fight against COVID-19. COVID-19. Oh, I swear that I mean at this moment. Three of them. There are three there damn are vaccines. Three vaccines. China. China, piss off. Now you Kyle, nail this. We're all Give it to me. Come on. Because of COVID-19. This is the kind of story where clearly we haven't learned anything at all. So Boston University is catching heat because they claim they've created a new strain of COVID that might be even deadlier than anything we've seen yet. So what the scientists at Boston University have done, they took the original COVID-19 and they gave it an Omicron spike protein 
and their testing shows that it's killed 80% of the mice they've tested oh, this wonderful. on. Wonderful. So good old fun fashion gain of function research to make a more deadlier virus what could possibly go wrong here's jesse waters scientists over at boston university have created a new covid strain in a lab and guess what the function is very much gained these geniuses combined omicron and the original wuhan strain and made a new hybrid virus that's extra contagious and it kills 80 percent of its victims what are we doing? Have we not learned anything? The world shut down after a sloppy Chinese lab monkeyed around with a bat, and now we're trying to make it even deadlier <laughs> in Boston. What are the chances this bad yeah. boy somehow escapes before the 2024 election? I don't like this at I all. A, I got a different perspective here for you. I subscribe to Alex Behrens and Substack. He's an independent journalist. He's been uh, fighting with Twitter, kicked on uh, Twitter or kicked off Twitter, sued them successfully. He's back on, although I think they suspended his account again. He's writing about this exact same in his Substack. Let me just read what he wrote here and give you maybe just a different perspective. Uh, the past 48 hours, people have been screaming about the news that Boston University researchers stuck the Omicron spike into the original COVID-2 virus and produced a virus with an 80% mortality rate. We are all going to die, die, die. How could they do this? Stop. Just stop. I read the paper. It's the Omicron wild type SARS-CoV-2 combo the researchers created is more lethal than Omicron. However, it also says that the Omicron wild type virus is less lethal than the original wild type. Neither of those findings should be a surprise. Omicron is less dangerous than the original SARS. So blending the two together produces a virus with immediate lethality. What's with the 80% mortality rate then? It's in mice, people. And guess what? The wild type had a 100% mortality rate in mice. Okay. And, so and I get that. Point. That makes me feel a little bit better. But still, the question remains, why are we trying to make stronger COVID? <laughs> why are these doctors in a lab saying, you know what? We need to find stronger COVID. No, stop. What are you doing? You're one mistake away from leaking whatever you have out. And I don't care if it's a strong strain, a weak strain. Stop trying to make stronger COVID. I don't think I'm asking for too much here. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, man, uh, happy birthday to Iron Mike. No, I'm not talking about Mike Tyson. I'm talking about the original Iron Mike, Mike Ditka. The coach. Yeah, coach of uh, the 85 Super Bowl champion Chicago Bears is 83 today. Did he finish his coaching career with Chicago? It was no, New he went to, the, yeah, went to the, the Saints, Saints right? Yep. 83. Was, I went... I was down in Florida at a resort in Orlando, and I ran into Coach Ditka and his wife. We were walking to the pool one night. Did you say anything to him? Yeah, we were just like, hey, Coach. You know, we didn't want to bother him. You know, he had a yeah. cigar. I think, sure. you know, his wife was there. And it's like, hey, how you guys doing? It's like, oh, what are you up to, Coach? He was he was there with the grandkids, but they were, you know, okay. like somewhere. That's but cool. Yeah, ran into the coach. It was real nice. So let's uh, celebrate the coach's birthday by – Having great moments in Didka history. <laughs> this is when everybody was kneeling for the national anthem. And, you know, you weren't supposed to say anything negative if you were affiliated with football. Mike Didka didn't give a damn. If you can't respect our national anthem, get the hell out of the country. <laughs> then that's the way I feel. Of course, I'm old-fashioned. So I'm, I'm only going to say what I feel. Uh, 
I think there's a way that you you protest and there's a way you don't protest. You don't protest against the flag. You don't protest against this country who's given you the opportunity to make a living playing a sport that uh, you never thought would would happen. So I, I don't want to hear all the crap. <laughs> <laughs> if you end your statement with, I don't want to hear all the crap. Oh, awesome. That's a great statement. Yes. Uh, great moments in Didka history. This is when he was the coach of the Bears, and there was some dude trying to heckle him doing a press conference. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. You jerk. <laughs> Dick you. <laughs> See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. All the turnovers. I'd rather talk to him. <laughs> like it, I know, I know, I'm smarter than that son. <laughs> and lastly, you can't have great moments in Mike Ditka history without his tear-jerking rendition of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" yes. at Wrigley Field. Take me out to the ball. <laughs> I don't care if I ever get back. I will throw them for the whole team. If they don't win it, just hang. One, two, three, catch <laughs> out of the old ball. God bless the organ player. Like smoke was coming off of her fingers trying to keep up with the coach right there. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. Big Nige is here. Hello. I'm Jason Hammer. Man, we're getting closer and closer to the big day midterm elections. And if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's get into some midterm stuff. Yeah. Debates. Fetterman. Eagles <laughs> are so much better than Eagles. Midterm stuff. <laughs> So, Nigel, let me make this clear why somebody living in Indiana should care about what's happening around the country. Because there's a lot of lunatics on the ballot that will control our border, control our health care, and basically control what happens in your life in terms of your finances. Sure. Dems want to change laws and pack the Supreme Court with radical judges. They want to get rid of the filibuster. They want to take your way rights as gun owners they want to indoctrinate your kids with sexuality and gender identity in schools pass more oppressive climate change laws so you can see how one or two votes in the senate uh, are extremely important and if you're anything other than a radical progressive then then you need to pay attention to this so let's go to georgia Okay. Yeah, this is a big one. This is huge. A lot of big races in Georgia. Herschel Walker against the incumbent Raphael Warnock. Senate seat is on the line. And what cracks me up is these liberal poll groups, right? Because polling is biased. There are conservative groups. There are liberal groups. They will try to put the tweets out there that say, Herschel Walker's stance on abortion is really costing him votes. But if anybody watched that debate from the other night where Warnock was against Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker did above and beyond what was expected. 
A lot of people thought a debate might not be good for Herschel. He's never done this kind of thing before. He wasn't going to, as a matter of fact. And right. I don't think he's doing another one either. Um, so we'll get to some clips of that in just a moment. But uh, it's actually been Warnock that's been losing some steam after that debate. Um, and this is his latest Hail Mary. So I think Warnock kind of knows the tide is turning a little bit here. So his Hail Mary to voters is... Yeah, I know everybody's upset about the economy, but uh, it's the pandemic's fault. We've been talking to a lot of voters who say the economy is a tough issue for them. Democrats have been in control of the White House, of Congress for the past two years. Inflation has soared. Why should Georgia voters give you another chance? We are still in the throes of a pandemic that dragged on for more than two years. <laughs> Boy, that was an electric answer right Completely there. Completely contradicting what your commander-in-chief said. The pandemic is over. Uh, it's <laughs> But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. <laughs> but yet, I, I swear to God, Democrats are using fear. I mean, this is when it gets desperate. It's fear. It's the fear of white supremacists taking over the nation. It's the fear of COVID. It's, it's the fear of abortion restrictions. This is they're getting desperate here, man. And they're trying to roll out all of these things. That let's be honest, the average everyday American doesn't give two, two craps about, right? Um, it's all about the economy. Right now, it's crime, it's the economy. Uh, those are the things that matter to most people. So let's go to the debate. This happened, I believe, on Friday night. It was Herschel Walker, it was Raphael Warnock, and the Democrats were waiting for this. Like, they were fired up because they thought, we're going to expose Herschel Walker. He's never done this. We're going to rip on him. And man, Herschel Walker stepped up to the plate. Here he is talking about how Warnock is soft on crime and voting with Biden 96% of the time. Believing in no cash bail, no accountability, that is a problem. People must be accountable for their action. And the truth lies with Senator Warnock because he said he was going to Washington to represent Georgia. He went to Washington to represent Joe Biden. That's the reason we're in the mess we're in today, because he represents Joe Biden and not the truth for Georgia. See, I don't think they anticipated Herschel to actually be on the offensive in this debate. Here's a little bit more of Herschel beating up on Warnock for being anti-police. To hear Senator Warnock talks about supporting law enforcement is sad because he's called them names. And because of the name caller he's done, the morale is down, recruitment is down, only because of what he's done. He's empowered criminals to think they're better than the police. And because he believes in no cash bail, in releasing prisoners, he don't protect the border. Fentanyl is coming to this country and also into Atlanta. 70% of the drugs coming from the border goes to Atlanta, Georgia. And he talks about the police. Now I have more sheriff that has endorsed me than anyone running in, in, in Georgia right now. And I even have some sheriffs here. And they've endorsed me because they know I have their back. They're going to have my bags. So to listen to him say that after calling them name, I think it's a disgrace. And he had this like badge that he, you know, held up and everybody lost their minds about it. He's not a real member of law enforcement. 
focus on what they're talking about here. And Herschel was able to do something to Raphael Warnock that a lot of talking heads either don't have the huevos to do or feel uncomfortable doing, calling him out for Black Lives Matter. He told me Black Lives Matter. And if you think about it, Senator, in Atlanta, Georgia, there's more black baby that is aborted than, uh, than anything. So if Black Lives Matter, why are you not protecting those babies? And instead of aborting those babies, why are you not baptizing those babies? See, Herschel could probably get away with that. I don't necessarily think that's something Brian Kemp could say to uh, Raphael Warnock, calling out his blackness and belief in Black Lives Matter. Yeah, well, that's why I think Herschel Walker is going to win those because Kemp is leading Stacey Abrams. I don't know. It's not a big lead, but like you can't vote. You can't be a Republican in Georgia and, and vote for Brian Kemp and turn around and vote for Warnock. Right. Now, I know we got to hit a break right here, but can I just, for my own enjoyment, for my own amusement, go back to 2018 and hear Brian Kemp's campaign commercial? Oh, please. Can I please hear that, please? I'm Brian Kemp. I'm so conservative. I blow up government spending. I own guns that no one's taking away. (laughs) My chainsaw's ready to rip up some regulations. I got a big truck. Just in case I need to round up criminal illegals and take them home myself. <laughs> yep, I just said that. Stacey Abrams uh, is going to lose yeah. not once but twice to that guy. I swear, you know, some polls have Kemp leading with like 51% compared to her 41%. So other polls have it closer than that. My whole thing is like, you know, if, if that many people are turning out to the polls in Georgia and they're going to vote for Kemp and they're going to vote for Kemp, you would think they're also going to vote for Herschel Walker, right? Right. And try to find the average citizen in Georgia and ask them about Herschel Walker. Are they going to vote against Herschel Walker, who won the Heisman Trophy for the Georgia Bulldogs? (laughs) 105,000 people coming out of Samford Stadium between the hedges. Do you think they're going to vote for Herschel Walker there? I think they are. There's just nothing exciting going on in Indy this year for the midterms, is there really? I mean, I mean the prosecutor race. The prosecutor race, I guess. This is a big one, the prosecutor uh, race. But I mean, nothing on a national scale that we should be paying attention to. Uh, we had that horrible Senate debate the other yeah. night with Todd Young. You know what I'm looking forward to next year? Zionsville, the mayor's race. The effing mayor? John Stair from WTHR Channel 13, retired news anchor, announcing that he's going to be running for mayor of Zionsville. He's been there for decades. What are you going to announce? announce Primary it. John Stair, <laughs> Nige. Hey, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, more people behaving badly on airplanes. Let me play you a piece of audio that we had from yesterday, Hammer. Uh, this is, I think this is from our Is This Anything segment. This woman booted off a flight because she wouldn't put her dog under the seat. I've traveled with small dogs before. It's no fun. You got to put them in a little carrier and you got to put them under the seat. They can't ride on your lap. They can't ride into an empty seat next to you. This woman wanted to have the dog on her lap, right? And she was very upset. Threw a water bottle. Some guy's crank at the end. She was (laughs) getting off. Here is the the audio in question. Because you couldn't let my dog sit on my Ma'am, let's go. F*** you. F*** all of you. I am! Shut the f*** Hey, whoa, whoa, 
strategy threw something at his midsection there and everybody got because like, you I am shut the f up. Hey. Oh. Oh, oh, hey. <laughs> I don't think the guy pressed charges she wasn't arrested at the very least she should never be allowed to fly that airline ever again of any airline you want to talk about domestic terrorists put oh, that lady on the God. list and having your kids, if you have small children, they have to sit there and watch these human beings act like animals. Um, so this is a story about a woman. Not quite the same thing, but um, this is another inconvenience sometimes people run into when they are flying. An American Airlines passenger, their rant has gone viral for being wedged between two obese people oh no <laughs> this is some australian political commentator on an american airlines flight to dallas caused an international stir when she rage tweeted about being <laughs> squeezed in between two fatties rage tweeting now i've been known to do a little bit of that during a colts game yes yeah, so to have time. i rage texting <laughs> um Quote, I am currently literally wedged between two obese people on my flight. And obese is in all caps, yeah. so you know they're really fat. <laughs> this is absolutely not acceptable or okay. If fat people want to be fat, fine, but it is something else entirely when I'm stuck between you with your arm rolls on my body for three hours. This is a three-hour flight from New York. <laughs> Uh, to Dallas. So think about those two fat people on the mopeds in the back of the Guinness Book of World Records. Now imagine being in the middle of those two for a three-hour flight. Look, I also feel sorry for the people that are overweight having to travel like that as well. That's they're, I'm sure they're embarrassed. These seats that you sit in on these airplanes are not made for extremely wide people they save they squeeze as many seats in those airplanes as possible to make as much money as possible and the only way to do that is to is to shrink the seats right man i'm not the thinnest person in the world but right. i'm not the fattest either those seats they're pretty small so so this woman she she tagged the fort worth carrier uh America, this is american airlines she tagged american airlines twitter account and they responded they said quote our passengers come in all different shapes and sizes. We're sorry you were uncomfortable on your flight. Well, that's basically just <laughs> suck it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so Sydney Watson is this woman's name. She's rage tweeting uh, about the the uh, corpulent individuals she squeezed in between on the plane. The fatties. <laughs> trying to be nice here. <laughs> here, would, would you like to hear more rage tweets? Please. Quote, I just experienced getting sweat on. Touched without my consent, smacked in the face, and subjected to, uh, subjected to hours of no personal space. And your response is essentially too bad. Is that what I'm getting here? That's pretty much what you're getting. Yeah, yeah that's what you got, lady. Every flight attendant apologized, and the crew told me they would have given her free alcohol if she had asked. Okay, so now we got a ball game here. So let me ask you this here, Nige. Let's say you are on your way down to Florida. Yeah. You've got uh, a 350 on one side, <laughs> a 350 on the other. You're stuck in the middle, but yeah. they offer you free booze. I'm fine with it. Boom. I'm fine with it. I knew you would be. All right, look, we're very sorry. You know, the, we, we know the individual next to you has to have two seat belts. 
uh, you know. Like, how do you get around, like, serving those free drinks without hurting the feelings of the fat people? Hey, do you want another free one? I'm so sorry. You're next to, you know, those people. Uh, So... I don't. I think, and the response on social media was mixed. I think a lot of people were on her side, and I think people were like, "Hey, come on! You don't need to shame these people. It's not their fault. They paid for a ticket just like you did." But her point is, yeah, I didn't get paid to get squeezed, shoved in between, and touched, and you know, I don't have any room in my middle seat. Right. Uh, I get both sides, and she was like, "Look." If you are one of those people that have to have two or three seatbelts connected just to just to get secured safely in your seat, either pick a different seat or maybe you shouldn't be flying. I will volunteer to sit in between two fatties if it means I get yeah, free, free booze, booze the okay. entire flight. I'm in. Um, there's a headline for you. Jeffrey Dahmer-inspired clothes taken off eBay. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? If you're looking for... The Jeffrey Dahmer inspired clothing for your Halloween costume. Okay. Okay. Uh, one place specifically does not have it. That's eBay. They've taken steps to remove clothing that pays homage to Dahmer. Uh, they have policies that prohibit listing listings that glorify hate violence and criminal activities. So wait a minute, though. Like, Dahmer just wore, like, pants and a shirt yeah, and glasses, how you, right? How do you dress like Jeffrey Dahmer? Did he have a certain style? I mean, kind of slacker-like, I guess, like T-shirt and, and like the, he had the the long kind of blondish hair with the geeky glasses, right? right? The big glasses on, uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people have that look. They're called nerds. <laughs> you want to dress like Dahmer? Just dress like a nerd with drab, bland clothing. I have read that some of the Dahmer victims' families are very upset with Netflix and some of the other things that have been associated with. Kind of making the story famous or glorifying this, if you will. I don't. I don't know if you call the John Dahmer story in Netflix glorifying Jeffrey Dahmer. I won't watch it. Mondo watch told it. us the thing did a great job of showcasing the victims and the victims' family of on yeah. what they went through. I haven't seen it either, but uh, yeah, I don't know if Dahmer had a style per se. Like if you see somebody <laughs> walking down the street, oh, is that from the Dahmer collection? <laughs> Wouldn't, I wouldn't recognize what no. Dahmer style was. Uh, real quick here, 47% of Americans say they're planning on hosting or attending a Friendsgiving this year. The most popular main course for a Friendsgiving is pizza, probably because of the rising turkey costs. I, I don't know. You know, look, okay. I'm okay with staying home and you know having my mom and dad come over and that's it. I, I don't. I, do you, you seem like the kind of guy that you go to five different Thanksgivings, don't, don't you? I don't have time. What I'm saying is I don't have time to go to a friendsgiving. Yeah, it's mostly fr- family. Well, friendsgiving is usually not on Thanksgiving. It's usually like a couple days before, maybe, maybe even a week before. Maybe the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, which is traditionally the biggest party night of the year. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It just sounds like a lot of work. Well, the Friendsgiving, but pizza, though, for Friendsgiving. 
Well, if you're going to have turkey for the real thing, like yeah, yeah. I don't, I look forward to the Thanksgiving meal about a week before Thanksgiving. Like I start fasting, I start getting ready, <laughs> I start getting the elastic pants out, like Joey had from friends. Him, start stretching them, right? Start stretching those babies out. And then when that day rolls around, like no other day do you have a dinner that big <laughs> that early. But I'm ready, and I'm ready for all the things that it represents. All right, who's our? We have a special guest coming up next. Uh, Michael Paul Hart is a member of the Indianapolis. City County Council, they passed a big budget last night for Indianapolis. We'll break down what that entails when we come back. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We also have a special guest on the drivehubro.com hotline. I believe he was one of the original founding members of the Hart Foundation. There was Jimmy Hart. There was Brett the Hitman Hart. And then there was Wait a minute. Republican City Council member Michael Paul Hart. Michael. Counselor, how are you? Oh, fantastic. How are you guys doing today? Man, how's, how's Brett the Hitman doing? How are you? Uh, it's been a while since I gave him a call, but you know, no. you know, still breaking hearts, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, last night, the city county council put the budget through, and I got to be honest, there's a lot of things that the city county council does that I'm not a fan of. I don't like the direction sometimes that the council goes, Michael. But I've really got no complaints with what happened last night. Walk us through what'll happen. Yeah, so I mean, I consider this one a boilerplate type of budget, right? You know, a lot of the stuff we do at the city is operational. Uh, you know, the budget's not perfect, but right now we've got a, a huge issue with public safety concerns in the city. And what this budget did was put a lot of money towards IMPD for hiring new officers and some training. But just because we voted yes on it doesn't mean that there's, you know, not a lot of other concerns. Uh, the biggest thing that we've got in the city is we might be putting these money towards officers, but you know, we're budgeting for 1,750 officers and we can't get over 1,600. And so the, the constant issue we have is trying to get more officers to our city. Uh, you know, on top of that, we've got some more money going towards infrastructure, um, you know, about $1.2 billion over the next five years to fill potholes. So, again, that's something that all our constituents tell us we want. But, again, the concern there is accountability. If we as the council are going to put the money there, does that mean that the city is going to hire the people that are required to do the job? And right now, that's where the city's, you know, unfortunately falling a little bit short is, is getting the people to do the job. What uh, can be done about recruitment? I mean, what are your plans? What are IMPD's plans for actively trying to uh, gain more talent? Yeah, from an IMPD standpoint, it was, you know, raise the base pay. So I, I think they're at about 60000 now for first-year officers. They've also increased uh, training opportunities. So, you know, when we go talk to, to the, you know, the FOP or we talk to just officers in general, you know, a lot of the things that they were lacking were training. And so we put that in there to try and incentivize officers to come down. Uh, you know, when I talk to the controller, when I talk to the city, it, you know, they say that, you know, this is, you know, uh, really interesting to a lot of folks from, from New York and other places. But uh, we just haven't seen the numbers. So uh, from, from our point, right, it's, it's talking to the city and making sure that, you know, they're accountable for what they're doing. Um, but then it's, it's the longevity over time. You know, we have to still worry about, you know, the folks that retire. We have to worry about uh, retaining and recruiting. So ultimately what the city has to do is, is be out there marketing themselves. And, and that's first and foremost. And listen, I'm not one to normally carry the water for the Democratic leadership in this city because they can be incredibly radical at times, especially when you look at the prosecutor's office and a lot of times the mayor's office, Michael. But um, 
you're funding the police, right? It's an overwhelming Democratic majority council. You've got a pretty radical mayor in Joe Hogsett, but while a lot of cities are trying to find some cute way, some workaround to defund the police, you guys as a collective are funding the police. That is true. That is true. And, you know, the other thing I'll, I'll, I'll kind of point out is is the morale at the office, right? You know, we've seen with the FOP vote uh, in terms of the prosecutor's race that, you know, we're potentially not seeing officers come up, come on board or we're seeing them leave because they're not confident that the prosecutor is going to prosecute. So, you know, one thing voters can do is change who their prosecutor is this year. And maybe that's the opportunity that we as, you know, as voters can do to start to change the dynamic and making sure we get those officers in the city to increase public safety and, and making sure we've got a safe city for people to come work at, visit, and, and enjoy as just citizens themselves. Uh, real quick, going back to the votes in regards to the budget last night, because there are other layers to this budget. It's not just all about police. There was one of your colleagues, just one, that voted no on this last night. It was an overwhelming uh, bipartisan deal last night, uh, but only one, I believe it was Councillor Ethan Evans from the Lawrence area. What the hell's his problem, Michael? Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's about as far left as you can get. Let's put it that way. Uh, he's your defund the police guy. He's the one who who is basically wants you know the 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 you know no public safety any of that. So uh, that was his concern. I think he he may have mentioned some things about the Indianapolis Housing Authority. Uh, you know that organization is is really treating you know the the properties they own pretty poorly. But you know aside from that, that dude is just far out there. He has uh, I I doubt he's even connected to his base, just knowing where he's at. Um, but he's he's just a radical. That's his problem. How connected are you to your base? What are your constituents saying on the ground in terms of safety in the city of Indianapolis? We just saw the big news making headlines uh, over the past couple of days, the Starbucks on Monument Circle closing down as a concern for the safety of their employees. What are you hearing? Yeah, as you guys, so as you guys may or may not know, I am running for the uh, Indiana State House in District 89 over there on the east side, and I'm going door to door a lot. And so when I'm talking to folks, Safety is a top concern. Uh, also, uh, rental properties are a concern. Both the renter and the, the neighbor are concerned with the conditions of the property uh, and, and how that creates uh, a, a, the, the view of the neighborhood. Uh, there's the concern with accountability and government and making sure that the government's doing what they're saying. Uh, that's And same with some of these you know, properties that are owned by the Indiana Housing Authority. Those are big concerns. I've got uh, you know one of these... Uh, projects that are in my district that, you know, we're trying to get flipped around. So uh, there is a concern, you know, depending on where I'm at in my district, they'll tell me that they hear gunshots, you know, on a re- on a nightly basis, right? So those things are, are happening across the city. You know, I, I basically touch from Washington down to Thompson, uh, Emerson over to, to Midhoffer right now. So I've got three different townships in my current district, and, and those are kind of the top priorities that, that I'm hearing and talking about when I'm reaching out to my constituents. Now, Counselor, I'm a little confused here. I didn't hear January 6th or abortion anywhere in the things that your constituents <laughs> are telling you. How could that possibly be considering what the news is telling us? Because I yeah. thought it was number one and number two on everybody's list. No, no, it's it's not. that Those things, you know, don't ever come up. I mean, the other ones that you might hear, if we talk about it from a state level, right, we do. We talk about education. We talk about funding. We talk about parental choice in schools, which are extremely important. Uh, we talk about, you know, the, the standardized testing. But, yeah, hardly often do I, you know, get approached and I, you know, ask a constituents, you know, what's your concerns? 
hardly ever do they say, you know, abortion in my city, or do they say, no one's ever mentioned January 6th to me. So, yeah, most, most folks are pretty pragmatic when I talk to them, and they just want a city that's operational, and they want roads that are safe to drive on. They want to be safe when they go downtown, and they, they want to know that, you know, when, when they have friends and family coming in, that they're not going to be, you know, harassed when they're walking into the Starbucks on Monument Circle. How easy is it to get a hold of you, Counselor, or any member of the Indiana Indianapolis City County Council? I mean, is it just a matter of, of an email, writing a uh, writing an email, dialing a phone number, leaving a voicemail? And, um, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that have concerns, but some people don't even know who they're, uh, who represents them in their district. Yeah, so I actually pride myself on being easily accessible. Uh, you know, it, you can ask pretty much anybody who I've ever that sent me an email. When I get an email, I ask the, the, the individual if I can, you know, show up at their house and talk to them one-on-one. Uh, I, I've got a public number that anybody can have. They can call me at any time. They can text me. No matter what it is, I, I completely make myself available to any and all means of communication. I've got two websites that people can sign up for, heartforhouse.com, michaelpaulhart.com. There's contact forms on there. I've got, like I said, I've got two two public numbers. Uh, there's a, about a dozen ways to get a hold of me, and anytime I get a, a written request, a phone call, a text, whether it's you know some, somebody's concerned about zoning, there's platting, whatever the issue might be, I am on it within a day or two on returning that phone call or sending a text or shooting an email back. It is really easy to get a hold of me. And Nige, I will back up his claims. The last time that I ran into uh, the counselor was at the Fall Festival on Main Street in Beach Grove. And he's got a, like a booth set up at a tent, and I'm there with my youngest, Jacob. And we're just going to go up and say hi. You know, hey, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Mm. There was a woman there that was just giving the counselor an earful. Oh, so, no. <laughs> and I was behind her in line. So so I tried to just jump in. Hey, I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> Trying to break it up, you know, maybe rescue just a little bit. But as soon as I got done, man, she was fired up. But to his credit, man, you listened to every word this woman had to say. It, it, well, here's how I look at it, right? I tell everybody, look, I'm your microphone, and I'm here to amplify your concerns. And all the good ideas that come out of the city come from people. And if I don't take the time to listen to them, I'm never going to be able to present them at, at the full council or present them to the different agencies and boards that exist. And so, you know, I make it a, a point to talk to everybody as for as long as that they need them to, to bend my ear. I'll, I'll let them have it. Last thing here before we let you go, we got about a minute left. Some of the other items in this budget that was passed last night, a lot of it's infrastructure, right? Yes. Yeah. 1.2 billion over five years is infrastructure. So we can expect uh, the construction to ramp up a little bit because I was just telling Nige, the one thing we need a little bit more is some road construction around oh, sure. here. Sure. Yeah. More <laughs> of that, please. <laughs> so it, it alternates every other year, you know, between thoroughfares and residential, you'll kind of see ebb and flows in that. Yeah. I think we're on, we're on a thoroughfare year this year. We'll see more residential next year. Uh, you know, but bridges get put in there, levees get put in there. Some of the the not so uh, you know beautiful things that everybody thinks about gets lumped into that infrastructure number just as much. Well, let us know what we can do to help uh, you guys and the IMPD and the FOP and police departments here in Central Indy to uh, acquire and retain talent. That seems like that's um, high on the priority list. Even though that you guys have, have voted for more money for your officers, it seems like that's still somewhat of a problem. It is, and right now a lot of that money is going towards overtime pay because we get yes. that question out, hey, well, we put the money, well, where's it going? It's, it's overtime. Yep. So, yeah, you know, anybody who'd be interested in joining the force, we're hiring. There's multiple ways of doing it. Um, yeah, so the more we can get that message out, you know, over your airwaves, the better.
Michael Paul Hart, Indianapolis City County Council, also running for a seat at the State House. Counselor, thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Entire hour of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up after six o'clock. It's a very momentous anniversary Hammer, one that will live on in infamy forever. I have a feeling, right? Nigel was on this date in 2015. The Colts' god-awful fake punt against the New England Patriots. <laughs> this is what the horror sounded like in front of a national audience on Sunday Night Football. Uh-oh. Yeah. Now we've got, on a fourth down and three, you got Griff Whalen ready to take the snap. He'll snap it. Actually, Colt Anderson is behind him. And what in the world? You tell me. Illegal formation. The whole right side of the line was not on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> this penalty is declined. The result of the play is first down for New England. There is absolutely no way possible that they should have snapped that ball and tried to sneak it. There were three, four, five guys around two players. That was insane. Oh, I'm so glad we're marking this occasion. One of the worst plays in the history of the NFL. I was in Vegas for this. Really? Now, the Colts did have a backdoor cover. So they did actually, uh, I think, cover the spread in that game. But imagine being in a big sports book. I think I was at the uh, Mirage. And it's all just Patriot people because, you know, the Colts stink this year. Patriots are good. They're all mouthy. I've got a Colts shirt on. And then they run that fake punt. I just looked at Crystal and I said, let's go play blackjack. (laughs) He didn't even finish the rest of the game. No, let's go. He'll play blackjack and see how this thing goes later on. What did you think of Tom Brady yelling at his offensive line uh, over the weekend and their loss? Uh, they lost. Uh, I forget who they played. It was. Uh, oh, they lost to the Steelers. They lost to the Steelers. The combination and, of Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, 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 yeah. And at one point, Tom Brady was screaming on the sidelines at his offensive lineman. So I get that. I mean, if anybody can do that, it's Tom Brady, right? You can yell at the offensive yeah. lineman to try to pick him up a little bit. But at the same time, maybe the lineman look at Tom and go, well, maybe had you not been on a Friday night playing grab ass with your old owner at his wedding reception Mm -hmm. and you were with the team focusing on the game, maybe you would have played a little bit better too. He's been skipping practices, wasn't with the team, went to that wedding, Robert Kraft's wedding. He's been noticeably absent at this wedding. His wife, Giselle, was not there either. Going through some turmoil, it feels like, uh, middle age here with Tom Brady. To quote, I'm 45. I got a lot of bleep going on. (laughs) Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.